welcome back to uh, what is now uh, back chat um, <laughs> as we explained uh, earlier so, so for the first half of um, uh, the uh, what was the original back chat schedule we'll be doing a, a new program called covid updates which we will stick with for as long as the pandemic is with us so so from 8:30 until nine o'clock we'll be talking about uh, covid19 on covid update uh, after nine o'clock we'll be talking about some um, other topics uh, not necessarily, though, because um, sometimes on Backchat, as you know, the whole programme is devoted to uh, COVID-19, and that is the case this morning, except for the last five minutes, Mike, because we'll be having another uh, temporary segment. For the last five minutes, we'll be talking about the Winter Olympics in Beijing, and our sports reporter, uh, Atom Jung, will be joining us. Um, now, just before I welcome our next guest, um, a few more emails here from uh, listeners. Um, so this one from uh, James. Uh, James says, uh, we don't have anti-vaxxers in Hong Kong, question mark. We have a very ant uh, active anti-Sinovac movement. Uh, we have since the beginning. This is possibly why elderly have been hesitant to get vaccinated with so much misinformation and fake news flowing around. Yesterday I saw a, uh, a flood of social media messages saying Sinovac was proven useless against Omicron, so we shouldn't count Sinovac jabs as vaccines. This was based on one-sided local reporting of a study which found poor antibody response from Sinovac and BioNTech against Omicron, but local reporters only shared the poor news about Sinovac. Uh, OK, this from Philip says the vaccine situation is encouraging but still falls well below what is required for us to expect any change in present restrictions. The restrictions are, however, not going to change but only get worse. The government keeps harping on about people getting vaccinated but fails to mandate such. Expecting the elderly or non-believers to change their mindset is not going to happen. The government needs to implement the vaccine passport as soon as possible and widen the requirement so that uh, the non-vaccinated are seriously affected in their movements. The non-vaccinated are holding back the progress of Hong Kong in dealing with the virus. Uh, Carrie Lam needs to do more, otherwise her legacy will be uh, recorded. Uh, sorry, I think that goes on to another page, which I don't have. Um, anyway, you get the, the gist of uh, Philip's message. Um, uh, Bob says, uh, please ask your distinguished guest the $64,000 question. Is zero COVID a realistic ambition in Hong Kong? And, uh, oh yeah, Bob also says, with the ratio of local to imported cases now around 10 to 1 or even higher, what is the logic for the quarantine policy which is destroying Hong Kong's position as an international city? OK, um, we're now joined on the line, I hope by Dr. Siddharth Shridhar, uh, Clinical Assistant Professor at the Department of Microbiology at the University of Hong Kong. Uh, Dr. Shridhar, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Um, now how about that, uh, that last uh, uh, general question? Um, I think it was uh, aimed at one of our guests before nine o'clock, but uh, um, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm sure you can address it. Uh, calls it the $64,000 question. Is zero COVID a realistic uh, ambition in Hong Kong? I mean, it's, the policy is now referred to as dynamic uh, zero COVID, but, uh, but is it, you know, w will we be able to get on top of the, uh, on top of the infection wave this time? Well, it's uh, looking like it's 
very hard to achieve this time around because uh, obviously we have Omicron, which as we all know is more transmissible than previous variants. So our little bag of tricks that uh, helped to control the previous wave uh, might not be anywhere near as effective this time. So I think as the Center for Health Prote Protection has repeatedly pointed out, we haven't seen the peak of this uh, particular wave yet and we can expect things to get worse because it's uh, very, very difficult to perform thorough uh, contact tracing when you have so many cases, um, so many unlinked cases every day. So it's uh, looking uh, quite grim this time around, yeah. Should we, I know radical idea has been suggested, should we shut down the whole city for one week, force everyone to stay home and test them all, the whole seven and a half million? Right. Uh, that's actually what exactly what the uh, uh, what, what's done in mainland China when they have uh, outbreaks in uh, cities there, and uh, I think we are fast approaching a point where the government really needs to ask itself what it's going to do next. Right? If it's serious about uh, dynamic zero and really uh, going towards zero cases, then uh, very soon we are reaching a tipping point where there's no option but to do that. But uh, if it's seeking a middle path where it just uh, tries its best to slow down transmission as much as possible to avoid uh, burdening the healthcare system, then uh, it, it might not choose the lockdown right. option. So because it's a very big decision, obviously. Be uh, yeah. Because that it would only work if you made everyone stay home for at least a week. That's right. I, I think apart from essential workers who need to apply for permits to be out and about, I think uh, it, that would require people to stay indoors for not necessarily a week. It could be even longer. Right. Um, and uh, that that would be a major undertaking which we have managed to avoid in Hong Kong all along. Uh, it's, it's been done in many Western countries and in China, but Hong Kong has always remained functional even during its COVID waves. So... Yeah. Uh, I personally hope that continues to be the case. There's a, there's a moral question here which, which troubles me very deeply. We're making our children pay the price for the elderly's reluctance to get vaccinated. I, I don't think it's paying the price as much as not addressing the problem at all because um, I, I think vaccines have to be understood as a personal defense. You can't say let another person get the vaccine to protect me because uh, it's, uh, vaccines may not prevent people from getting infected. They may not prevent people from transmitting the virus, although the chance of doing both is obviously reduced. They may not prevent this transmission from occurring. So an elderly person cannot reasonably say, let a child get a vaccine at my place, because unfortunately they need to get the vaccine, no. uh, or fortunately they need the vaccine to protect themselves. So But, it's but we're saying those children cannot go to school because it poses a threat to the unvaccinated elderly. Um. Right. I, I mean, I, uh, school closures uh, in the era of COVID have been a controversial uh, topic, but uh, I'm all for keeping schools open, honestly. It's, uh, it's, it, I mean, keeping schools closed indefinitely is not going to solve the threat of COVID to the elderly. Vaccinating the elderly is going to solve the threat of COVID to the elderly. So we've got to address that very clearly. Which is not to say that children shouldn't get vaccinated because there no. are some nasty things that COVID can do in kids. But right. obviously the priority in Hong Kong should be vaccinating the elderly. 
Okay, uh, another email here from... Uh, uh, this one from Simon says, uh, I'm so bored with this whole question of people who are not vaccinated. In the beginning, when there was no vaccine, uh, we all stayed home to protect the vulnerable, and that was perfectly understandable. Now there are vaccines, but we're still staying home to protect the vulnerable. My five-year-old uh, can't go to school because some people can't be bothered to get vaccinated. Enough is enough. If they don't want to vaccinate, it's their choice. Just open up and... Um, Bob says, uh, why the huge focus on vaccinations when everyone knows that vaccinations do not prevent infections or even transmission? Seems to me that uh, all of us who have done our duty and been vaccinated are being held to ransom by the elderly who refuse to get vaccinated. Um, this question, uh, Dr. Sridhar, of uh, elderly people um, having a, especially at the over 80s, have, still having a very low vaccination rate, it, it, really, it really is central uh, and, and critical to the whole um, anti-COVID strategy, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually the single most important point because that's the justification for dynamic zero and everything, right? Because the, the thinking is if you have an uncontrolled COVID-19 outbreak in the community, then the healthcare system can't cope because you have a flood of cases at A&E. A tsunami would be a better term. Uh, you would have uh, medical wards basically filled to the brim. And if somebody then gets, uh, say, say they have a heart attack or a stroke, their care is going to suffer because the system is struggling to deal with the wave of COVID-19 um, at emergency departments and at public hospitals. So the healthcare system would uh, seriously buckle. And we've seen this pattern time and time and time again in uh, overseas. And there's absolutely no doubt that it's going to happen in Hong Kong as well. So which is why it's important for the elderly to get vaccinated. So this uh, at least is reduced to a certain extent, this uh, phenomenon. Can we, I don't know, is it time to really review our tactics? Can we, can we make quarantining at home the default option, um, provided it's accompanied with a wristband to control movements and then only take the most serious cases into hospital. Right. Uh, I, at the moment, we are hospitalizing COVID-19 patients uh, uh, not, for medic not for taking care of <laughs> COVID-19 patients or providing them with medical care. We're doing it to prevent transmission in the community. And uh, the reason we do that is I think it's very clear that... Uh, a lot of residential buildings in Hong Kong are, are not great for uh, preventing virus transmission. You see all of these uh, uh, major outbreaks in buildings, even when people don't leave their units, yeah, the virus still finds a way to basically uh, tra uh, transmit to units all around them. So uh, that's a problem. There are uh, problems with the infrastructure. Right. And that makes home quarantine so very difficult. So I think we heard in the Garmin press conference that they were looking at patients in Hello? quarantine, and that would be one of them. Uh, sorry, uh, we were losing you slightly there. Uh, could you just uh, repeat the last part again about the news conference? Yeah. So the government repeated at the news conference that, uh, you know, they would have to look at some of the living conditions of patients before... Mm. I think whether home quarantine was an option. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that would uh, probably be one of the things they are looking into. So, so yeah. Yeah. So if, if you're living in a busy household or a subdivided unit or something like that, or sharing a kitchen or a bathroom, it wouldn't necessarily be suitable for, for home quarantine. Exactly, exactly. 
exactly. Mm. I've had family members overseas who have home quarantined extremely successfully. Like they managed uh, to family uh, members, but they live in apartments that are uh, reasonably sized. So yeah. if, if you're talking about a 350, 450 square foot apartment in Hong Kong, it's or even smaller, it's very, very difficult mm. to avoid. Yeah. Yeah, Hong Kong's uh, housing issues and problems are also a factor in this. Yeah. Uh, another email here from a listener, Colin, says, uh, uh, why, have, uh, why has Singapore been so successful in getting their elderly vaccinated while Hong Kong has not? Please start opening up, open our running tracks, sports stadiums, swimming pools and gyms. That uh, from uh, CW. Um, as we are aware, as, as well, the the new system of, um, of vaccine passports is um, is due to begin on the 24th of this month, whereby you will need to prove uh, vaccination in order to enter a number of premises. Um, um, Dr. Sridhar, do you think uh, that uh, how helpful is that going to be in, in encouraging a um, you know a more robust vaccination rate? I, I'm all for it. I have absolutely no problem with encourage people to get vaccinated and I think it's uh, this together with the fear of the fifth wave in the number of cases that should spur a lot of people who are hesitant previously to get vaccinated and we are already seeing that so okay okay to do those Okay, Dr. Sridhar, um, thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, on the programme. I'm, I'm afraid uh, we are losing you a little bit. Uh, it's not a great connection, but uh, but thanks for your uh, input and your comments. Um, appreciate that very much. Um, we also have uh, now with us uh, on the line uh, James Robertson, the uh, owner of a restaurant chain uh, that includes uh, Grappers and uh, Cadillac. Uh, James Robertson, JR, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, so we've been hearing a lot uh, lately about uh, the effect on the catering se sector of the uh, most recent uh, distancing uh, restrictions. Um, uh, how is it looking from your perspective? Well, I, I heard uh, Alan Zeman last Thursday or Friday on uh, Radio Three, and uh, he was emphasizing a lot of people are a lot of people in the industry are at the edge of the cliff of bankruptcy, and it's exactly true. Uh, we just cannot survive uh, closing down the uh, dining service at 6 p.m. Takeaway deliveries, it helps, but it, it, it doesn't compensate for the lack of uh, uh, beer, wine, beverages, sales that go along with it that are highlighted more at dinner than they are at lunch or breakfast, of course. And uh, it's just it's painful, not only to mention that, of course, out of our, our art group, we have 12 outlets, four of which are pubs which are closed completely mm. so we got people that are getting no income we try to rotate them into the, the extent possible to the places that are operating with restricted hours but you can't you can't get everybody uh, a full salary or anything so we got lots of no pay leave and uh, we're in dire straits and the thought that they may increase the restrictions there's some announcement coming tomorrow i guess uh i mean Frankly, it doesn't work. I mean, the, the, nobody's paying attention to the elephant in the room. Is everything they're doing doesn't work? They're just doubling down. I mean, these the hundreds of people that got uh, ill over the weekend. How many of them were using face masks? I suspect all. Uh, how many of them have been vaccinated? I suspect many or most. So it doesn't work. In fact, pushing the 
everybody to get vaccinated only relieves the uh, seriousness. It doesn't relieve the spreading. I mean, ironically, when I was a kid and we had a polio vaccine, it stopped polio dead in its tracks. This is aiding and abetting people to be able to go out and spread it more. Lots of these people have had vaccines that are spreading it. So, and then and putting up little panels. I mean, first of all, in the restaurants, <laughs> they had a big spreader case at lunch in Festival Walk, and they had a breakfast case in Tai Hang. And what do they do? They close dinner. Well, why do they close dinner if this thing's spreading at lunch and breakfast? Uh, there's no logic here. I, well, it's just killing the industry. I've asked yeah. the same asked the same question myself. Why can I have lunch with somebody, or even a small group, and I can't have dinner with the same group, even if we're all vaccinated and all the staff of the restaurant are? So and sitting in the exact same table and chair. And I also wonder if anyone in the government understands the business model of a restaurant, because the drinks that go with a meal are a big part of the business. But nobody cracks open lots of bottles of wine at lunch because you've got to work in the afternoon. So your your big sales of alcohol especially are going to come with dinner. Absolutely, Michael. Yeah. JR, do you have any hopes for this uh, vaccine passport plan, which is uh, uh, due to come into effect fairly soon? I mean, is that going to... Uh, it's two weeks' it, time, isn't gonna, it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, 24th. Yeah. Um, well, I don't hold out much hope for that. And the, the rumor on the street is they're going to restrict the uh, to, to the dine-in during the day to two people to the table. What mm. does that accomplish? It accomplishes nothing. Mm. I mean, you've still, you still got the same opportunity to pass or catch the, the virus. Yes, unless, unless the restaurants are open, it, the pass is, is a theoretical thing. But now we know it doesn't work. Their tactics don't work. That's why it's spreading. And one of the other things that's a little bit unfair, they're cracking down particularly on the catering industry uh, and gyms and, and beauty parlors or whatever, the, the beaches, I guess. But uh, where is the share? Everybody share the pain equally or, or share some of the pain. Uh, shopping malls where this is spread, they're still open, still operating, even offering discounts to attract people to come in because... There's less shoppers going out, so come to my mall. I mean, if we're in, in landlords for the retail outlets, such as our restaurants, who's going who's to tell the landlords, hey, you can't collect rent for a couple of months. Everybody needs to suffer the pain. They don't do that. They only pick on the catering guys because we're little. We don't have anything to stand up. I mean, Tommy Jung has, has made good efforts, and I don't want to ridicule Tommy because uh, I think he's very good at what he tries to do. But... Uh, we're not getting hurt, and we're the ones who are suffering the most. And it's not, we didn't cause it. So, yeah, yeah, so, so sorry, we're, we're, we're running out of questions because oh, we agree with well, you, we've basically. Well, we, we, we've got the budget c uh, coming up uh, fairly soon. Uh, let me give you one more, budget, one, budget. one more quick one. One more quick one. We will go quick. Thursday, 1230, I'm sitting at Happy Valley Barn Grill. 16, you know, 16, day three of the, of the um, Chinese New Year. Sixteen uniform officers came. There's six little restaurants ranging from three, uh, catering outlets, ranging from 350 to 800 square feet. The whole complex is about 3,000 square feet. Sixteen officers running on overtime on a public holiday, coming. Half of them are police with their guns. The other half are FDHD. Then they come in and interrogate. I was sitting inside by myself, and there were five people sitting in the uh, OSA area. 
six people, and they got 16 officers. There weren't more than about 20 people in all six outlets. And a crew like that, these people should not be getting overtime at the expense of enforcing something that really doesn't work. Anyway, that's that's my two cents. Mm -hmm. So what were they checking on? Spacing numbers? Same number of people around the table? Yeah, all those things, and and, and checking to see if you've done the the home pass so that they can get you for 5,000 bucks or whatever. Uh, yeah, checking the home pass and checking the liquor license and checking the restaurant license. And at one point, I had 10, is about 300 square feet, and we had 10 officers inside 300 square feet. They are not uh, practicing social distancing for sure. Uh, it, it sounds as though it's going to be a, a not a, gr- a great um, Valentine's Day. No, we're not. Uh, people, we think that uh, Valentine's Day is that we're happened to be on Sunday, and we will all, all our outlets will offer Saturday, Sunday, Monday, because people aren't going to go out and have a big lunch and, and have a bottle of wine, but they might on a Sunday afternoon. But uh, take your sweetheart out for Valentine's Day, but they're not going to do that on a Monday afternoon, unlikely. Okay, well, thanks very much for speaking to us uh, on the uh, program this morning. Um, um, best of luck with uh, businesses, and you know, let's hope things will, will turn around sometime soon. That's, that's uh, James Robertson, the uh, owner of a restaurant chain that includes uh, uh, Grappers and Cadillac. Um, so you're listening to Backchat, and we're going to introduce a, a new little element uh, to the program. Um, in just a moment, we're going to hear from our sports reporter, Atom Chung, uh, with a roundup of the action at the Beijing Winter Olympics. Atom, good morning. Thanks for joining us. What have you got for us? Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, I, I think, I mean... With the Winter Olympics, uh, when I woke up this morning, the, the most important thing for me, the most exciting, was uh, seeing New Zealand win their first uh, Olympic, uh, Winter Olympic gold medal. And uh, that happened in, in the uh, snowboard slope style. It was won by um, Zoe sadowski Sinnet. Now, I, I think people should really check this out because there are some really interesting events in both the snowboarding and the skiing because they're trying to add the X Games elements into it to make it sort of like really fancy with uh, moves like stunts. So basically, she won the slope style. It's basically a, a course with, with uh, railing and ramps that you can do uh, really stylish jumps. So it's really nice to see her, her win and uh, also the way uh, her um, the other um, competitors all celebrated with her after they saw she won. So it was a really nice moment. So for me, that was the highlight from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've had uh, some uh, events being uh, rearranged because of the weather, because of uh, uh, high winds. Yeah, that's right. So it's the uh, men's alpine skiing downhill that was postponed yesterday because of high winds in uh, Yancheng. So that uh, event takes uh, place outside of Beijing. So they've uh, rescheduled that for later today. I also want to mention that uh, there's a chance for uh, China to uh, possibly win a medal today in the men's snowboard slope style. China's Su Yiming is uh, actually leading uh, uh, in the standings going into today's final. He's actually ranked ahead of Canada's X Games champion, Mark McMorris. So it should be an interesting one. Mm. Mm. Some of this sounds like 
games <laughs> rather than athletics. Yeah, and I think they're trying to make it appeal to to the younger crowd and, and to make it uh, just look more exciting on TV because events like skiing and snowboarding, especially with skiing, it's traditionally been the moguls. You go down the hill with the bumps and the aerial jumps. But now they're adding uh, this, like I mentioned, they call it the, the slope style, as well as the big air and the uh, ski cross, the free ski cross. So those are pretty exciting too. Uh, uh, how's it looking with the hockey? What, 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 what I would call ice hockey, what you would call hockey. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, with, with the hockey, I'm more excited uh, to, to see the, how the women's hockey will turn out because uh, there's a great rivalry between Canada and the U.S. Uh, so competition is already underway. I believe China is playing today as well in the preliminary round. Uh, as for the men's hockey, obviously there's no NHL players this year. So, uh, But there are lots of young players out of Canada and also out of the Russian professional league. And th these guys are pretty good too. They just don't get a lot of exposure because they don't play professional in North America. Hmm. For, the, for the older, more traditional viewers, when is, when is the ice skating? Oh, hmm. oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, now there is a team event in figure skating uh, later today, so a medal will be handed out in the team event. But the more exciting one is, are the individual skates, and, and the star of this Olympics is Yuzuru Hanyu from Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's won two gold medals already in in the, in the men's figure skating, and he's he's going to get his first action tomorrow morning in the in the uh, first skate. How about the pairs? Oh, the pairs. That's going to come up later. Well, we can talk about that later. Okay. For sure. Yeah, the ice dance and uh, the pairs. Yeah, that's going to be exciting too. Mm -hmm. Okay, Atom. Well, uh, thank you uh, very much uh, for joining us with that uh, Winter Olympics uh, roundup, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing you again uh, tomorrow morning. Indeed, for the rest of this week and for the rest of next week uh, at the same time. Um, that was uh, our reporter Atom Chung there with the, his uh, Winter Olympics uh, roundup. Um, I do have some more emails from listeners, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to save them till tomorrow um, all on COVID because uh, as we explained um, at the beginning of the programme, the first half hour of uh, what was back chat is now called COVID update because we're going to focus it entirely for the first half hour on COVID. Some days, Mike, we might do the whole programme on COVID. Like It's uh, like usually Monday, Jim, yeah, speaking right. from memory. <laughs> Covid Monday, yeah. But um, uh, thank you very much uh, uh, for your participation there, Mr. Mike Rouse, and uh, thanks to all of our listeners. And we'll be back uh, tomorrow morning with a Covid update from eight till eight thirty, and then back chat from well from nine till nine twenty-five, and then we'll hear from uh, Atom again at the end of it. Um, a quick look at the weather uh, before we go to the news summary and morning brew. Let me just. Uh, open the right uh, fader here. Yeah. Okay. So.